chapter 4, which is actually the same reading I read last week, but this week we're going to actually talk about it. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. It's when Jesus was uh, caught in a storm with his disciples on Lake Galilee. Storms usually come up in the afternoon because uh, the wind blows down from the cliffs of the higher ground where Nazareth is down into that valley and uh, it can wreak some havoc, I believe. And in fact, it says here, in the evening. So from verse 35 of Mark 4, that day when evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, "Let let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stone sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind and said to the, t- and, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Father, as we uh, open your word this morning, we pray that you would speak the word that you have for us that will bring life. Will you breathe into our hearts and our minds your presence this morning that will change us from the inside out. We're not coming here, Lord, just to get some more information. We're coming here because we need you. And we ask that you will graciously meet us as we open our hearts to you in Jesus' name. Amen. So last week we were talking, I was talking, I'm on a little series right now. I'm never quite sure when I hit the series, but I think I've hit a series. Um, And the series is about God's presence. And last week I was talking about God's presence where we looked at the tabernacle, which was the Ark of the Covenant, which is what came out of uh, the people wandering in the desert and and, uh, Moses leading the people of Israel and God putting saying make this ark with gold and over wood, acacia wood and, and with the cherubim, the angels on the, on the top of the lid and what was called um, the mercy seat. It was all about sacrifice and how these people could remain in communion with God even though they had been rebellious. And God had given them this, uh, this box as a symbol and inside that box was uh, the Ten Commandments. There was the Aaron's rod which was a symbol of authority and there was the manna that was a symbol of God providing for them in the wilderness. And uh, this box, it's, it's pretty much God in a box. A lot of us have maybe one. might not be the Ark of the Covenant, but it certainly might be a mindset. God's in a box. We open it on Sundays. We won't go there any further. But God very much in a restricted role and Moses was the one who talked to God and the box was where God was and so everybody kept their distance and it was quite religious and totally ineffective. And uh, we thought about how you know, God's presence out of that time 
When Jesus came as God's spirit in a person, not in a box, he basically symbolized everything of that Ark of the Covenant and his presence was present in himself. And then he went, he was killed because human beings struggle with God, telling them what to do. They prefer him in a box. If he jumps out the box, Jack in a box, Jesus in a box, if he actually looks like he's alive, then all hell does break loose. Because we like our God in a box, don't we? He actually has the audacity to turn up and say, excuse me, I've got some issues with you. You go, who do you think I am? I think I'm going to another church. So we wander around because we like to be God, don't we? We like to be in control. We like to say this is how it works. And Jesus went to the cross and he died on a cross because people didn't like God out of a box. The religious people killed him. It wasn't the Romans. The Romans just did the deed. It was the church people who killed Jesus. But there comes a point where God says, okay, enough. So he blew open the tomb and said, I'm still alive. Now what? And they went, oh, shoot. Now we're in trouble. And they were in trouble. But the God who jumped out of the grave, out of the box, out of the definitions, proved to be a lot nicer than the one they thought they had the lid on. And he said, I actually am into growing you into a people who know my love and my presence. You're created for relationship with, it, with God. And God is kind and loving and powerful. You want to be scared of him, but you also want to be embraced by him. And we are trying to say last week that the presence of God isn't about having some nice music and raising your hands and feeling sweet. That's not what it's all about. It, there's, a, there's, there's some of that. But that's not really just the presence of God. That's often an emotion. But we need emotional engagement, so I'm not discarding that. There's, a, there's an importance. Certainly worship is important. But God's presence is more than that. And we're talking about, therefore, what Jesus said when he rose from the dead. He said, I will send my spirit so that actually my presence will be in you. And so often we're saying, oh God, please come. And he says, excuse me, I'm here. Lord, please come down. He said, I did. And he's often saying, I am among you. Open your eyes, open your ears, open your heart and you'll see and know me greater than you can imagine. But we have this continual insecure relationship with this God where we kind of want him but we don't want him, we're scared of him. It's, it's all ambivalent, which is why we need one another to grow in understanding that God is powerful, kind, gentle, patient, scares the heck out of you sometimes and all of that. And I want to talk this morning uh, about the presence of God. Um, I wonder how much, if we had a gauge right now and we could just do a meter of this room, I wonder what the stress level would be like and what it, the anxiety level and the fear level. Stress, anxiety, fear. I wonder what that we, we carry in us right now. I wonder what the level would be as we come into a place where God in Jesus says, my peace I give you, don't worry. That's what we want to talk about. Because we're not coming here just to um, meet with a dead God. 
We're coming here this morning because God actually desires to meet with you and me more than the other way around. And God absolutely wants to say to you and me, my peace I give you. My peace I give you. Right now. My peace I give you. To such a depth that worry will not be a concern for you. And so Jesus, right at the beginning, I declare peace over this place. And I speak to fear and anxiety in the name of Jesus and I break your hold over people here. And I pray that the kingdom of heaven will open and anxiety and fear and distress that has bound us for so long will be broken today in lives here. There are people here who haven't known freedom from fear and stress for years. And God says, I see you, I love you, and I want to set you free. Because he said, I came that human beings would be changed from the inside out. Janicini, who Audrey introduced us to, or somebody introduced us to, uh, Julia, uh, wrote a newsletter this week, as it happens, and she was talking about people being brainwashed. And she said, My people have become brainwashed by society, political correctness, church denominations, and the media. This is God speaking. They no longer believe in me, even though they say they do. They may attend church and be very active in church, yet they have equated church activity with personal interaction with me. Most serve the God of their denomination, their church, or their traditions. And then she sort of uses this word, instead of mind renewal to the truths of my word, they've settled for mind education to my word. Mind education to my word is like filling the pantry with lots of groceries. You can starve to death with a pantry full of food if you don't open it and eat it so that it begins to impact your body. Mind renewal comes when you take that word and begin to apply it in a personal way. That's what we're talking about when we're talking about God's presence. She gives an example. When a true father gives his child a bicycle, he anticipates the joy of teaching that child how to ride the bicycle. Because of the bicycle, they interact, and in that interaction, they become more intimate. Replace bicycle maybe for this building or for other challenges in your life. That's what God's about. He says, don't get fixated on the building. Get focus on the relational stuff we're going to go through as we deal with this. The child comes to know the father and the father's heart for him. They develop relationship around that bicycle. She says, my people have taken my word and developed their own systems and actions apart from personal relationship with me. They have believed a lie. It is the foundational lie the enemy has used since the Garden of Eden. You don't need God to explain things to you. You can figure them out yourself. He added to that, God is scary. You don't need to get too close to him. Just do things that will please him. And then she speaks a word, almost a prophetic word. My people, my people, it has always been about relationship. I created you for relationship with me. My heart cries to build relationship and trust with you as I teach you to ride the bicycle of life. My heart cries that you would know me through relationship as you discover my word. Yet you would settle for comfort zones, familiar zones, dead church, being nice, being a good Christian. It is all empty if you don't know me personally. Many of you have made your church 
your God. You feel better because you gathered with other Christians and your emotions are touched by a beautiful song and the quietness of prayer stills the turmoil for a moment and your minister opens up a can of beans from the Bible pantry and you call that my presence and my spirit. Yet throughout the Bible, my presence brought miracles, freedom, deliverance, healing, wholeness, victory, defeat of those who opposed me and my people. My presence went to Calvary and to hell to show you the depth of my love. My presence walked and talked with Adam and Eve in the garden. Why? Why do you settle for so little when you could have me? The presence of God is about the power and love of God that's applied in our lives, not as a ritual, but in relationship. And so if we seek peace, we want peace. You don't find peace by looking for peace. You find peace by knowing Jesus. The presence of God isn't a sort of IMAX experience. Imagine you drive past a piece of lawn, grass, and you see it's brown. What would you conclude? It's dry. What else would you conclude? needs water so you conclude from the brownness of the grass that water has been absent for a while you drive past it maybe a month or two later and it's bright green what do you conclude water is present now the presence of water is not a puddle on the, on the, on the, on the grass the presence of water is the greenness of the grass and that's the same with us. The presence of God in our lives changes how our lives are, that is visible to others. And so we're looking at this morning about the presence of peace as a reality in our lives, as a gift from God who says, I give you peace. Sometimes it might be that God gives us things and we're like the lawn, we're all brown and there's a big bucket of water right there and he says all you have to do is throw it over. God's given us many, many resources that often are untapped so there isn't any difference. Matthew 10, let's just clear this one up at the beginning. Matthew 10 verse 34 Jesus says this to his disciples just to make it awkward. He says, um, Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. So now we're screwed. What does he mean? Peace? No peace? What's he saying? I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. Let's read. You remember what the story was. Jesus goes into the boat and they go across and this big storm rolls in. The disciples who are experienced sailors panic and Jesus is sleeping. And they say, don't you care? There's a huge storm. The boat's being swamped. We're terrified and you're sleeping. You ever talk to God like that? Like, do you not care? Oh man, I, I, I was on a swamp boat for years. 
I was very rude to him. I would have kicked him overboard. In fact, I tried to. I said, I'm done with you. I'm tired of the storms. I'm tired of this sleeping God. And Jesus wakes up and says to them, where's your faith? And he says, still the water, be still. And he shows that he can do it. And they're still terrified because now they're terrified of him, not the storm. Quite funny, really. And Jesus says, I haven't come to bring peace. I think what he's saying, and I think what's being said in those scriptures, is that he hasn't come, essentially, to still every negative circumstance in your life so that your circumstances are where you find peace. He hasn't come in a fallen world to so arrange your circumstances that life will just be sweet for you. And if that's where you're looking for peace, you will be disappointed. Because we live in a broken world that is impacted by all kinds of free will that's rebellious. And God will not trump free will most of the time. And so circumstantial peace is not what he's talking about. And so you have that circumstantial storm and the disciples are terrified and Jesus is at peace in chaos. And he's saying that's the peace that is beyond understanding. That is the peace that I offer you to live in to demonstrate, to be secure in. What is that peace? That peace is knowing God his Father holds his hand like that, in those big hands, knowing that his life is secure in the Father, knowing that actually this is not the time for him to be drowning, so he's secure that God's going to protect them through the storm. And he's resting in that. The greatest witness of Christians is not the absence of challenge or suffering or chaos in their, around them. The greatest witness of Christians who rarely demonstrate the love of Jesus is the presence of God in them that releases peace. When everyone else is panicking, there is a peace because God is faithful. You will not demonstrate that peace reciting the verse. You will not demonstrate that peace uh, knowing a scripture unless that peace is rooted in your heart in relationship with God. When everything goes wrong, you will go wrong as well. And you will act like everybody else. Because it's not been rooted in reality in your heart and like me you'll just get angry you don't need Jesus to be resurrected for that and so he said I do care 
But I want to give you a peace that is much, much deeper because the circumstances will never line up for long. And I'm not about to change every circumstance just to suit you because that's going to clash with somebody else's. It's just not going to work. Remember he says, um, he says to them uh, in Matthew 6, he, he talks about, uh, look at the lilies of the field. That's the most uh, common phrase, the f- common time where he says, uh, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food? And the body more important than birds? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. Your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you much, not much more valuable than them? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? Just before that, he said, Lay, place, place for yourself treasures in heaven, which means let your roots be in a relationship with me. Where your heart is, there your treasure will be. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be. I used to be incredibly nervous as a child. I had asthma. I would worry about my parents when they went out, when they would come home. I was very, very nervous. I had skin conditions. I mean, the doctor came once because I had asthma when I was 10 or 11. And then I guess my brother had cancer, my mother died, my father married again, and I withdrew and I very seldom went home because I was also angry and hurt but I also began to meet with a youth group and began to find this person Jesus who had sung about in a church choir for 10 years I was the treble soloist I sang all the classical church music but I never met Jesus and I think Jesus began very slowly to nurture me because I, and I'm not doing a pity party here, but I think, you know, my parents, I didn't know what nurture meant. I didn't know what it meant to be cared for, trusted, or held. And over the years, God has gradually begun to heal me of that. And in the, the worst circumstances of my life, maybe 15 years ago or 10, 12 years ago, going through a storm that I never could imagine and nearly nearly dying God began to take me deeper into what it means to trust until when it was about I'm calling you back John to follow me and to serve me I had absolutely no clue how that would happen and he said, I will, I, I will look after you. I'm not speaking theory. A huge, huge stone in my life is God teaching me how to walk in peace. I have very, by and large, very little stress. I don't get stressed out that easily. I get angry. I get ticked off, irritable. It's a different gift. But I don't, by and large, by and large, I don't live a life of huge stress. Because you get to a point where there's no, what's the point? 
But what I'm trying to say is you don't get there by thinking it, you have to live it. You have to say yes to the Lord when you don't know how it's going to work out. And Jesus said, I will give you a peace that is beyond understanding. He means it. I looked up on the internet anxiety statistics. You can almost guess what it's going to be for North America. I'm not even getting, it's so depressing. 40 million people, this is 2002, 40 million people in North America uh, will experience an impairment because of anxiety conditions. Only 4 million will receive treatment and only 400,000 of 40 million will receive proper treatment. Those who experience anxiety and stress have a very high propensity for drug abuse and addictions. Now work this out. North America is the land of opportunity and Canada is the, ma- the land where the greatest degree of cultural societal peace is possible like walking through neighborhoods by and large it's the place where there's the greatest opportunity it's the cra- place of the greatest affluence in the world it's the place of the greatest education in the world and it's also the place where God gets the short change and the testimony of this place is one of anxiety, neurosis, medication unlike anywhere else in the world 65% of North Americans take prescription medication 43% take mood altering prescriptions 3.3 billion prescriptions filled in America in 2002 12 times the US population That's 12 prescriptions for every man, woman and child in the U.S. that year. Paxil and Zoloft, 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 ranked 7th and 8th in the top 10 prescribed medications in the U.S. 5 billion sales. And then it's recreational drugs and all the rest of it. Do you think God was onto something when Jesus said, you know, I can give you peace? In the midst of the chaos, God breathes his life. And I'm nearly finished. What's compelling is this bunch of people who follow Jesus. These guys and girls who follow Jesus. They were terrified in that boat. They were terrified as they followed Jesus because it took them out of their security zone. May may I make a suggestion? Humbly. That if you want to know the real peace of God, you have to press into what you're afraid of with God. You can't get to really know God and his reality without going through the insecurity of growing into that. It's impossible. There's some of us here who have been stunted in our spiritual growth for years because we won't cross that threshold. We hedge our bets and we protect ourselves and we actually remain sick. And Jesus says to you, and you know who you are, I don't. He says, don't be afraid. I'm here to bless you and release you, not imprison you any more than you're already in prison. 
And you look at those disciples and, and they, they, these terrified guys and then they come to the cross where their hero is going to die. And they try and talk him out of it because they don't get it, that they need him to die, but they don't know. And that's typical of me, right? I'm trying to talk God of, out of things that he's actually saying, John, you don't understand, this will actually set you free. But I don't have his mind, so I keep trying to get him away. And so Jesus goes to the cross, he dies, it's bloody. That's conflict. Jesus on the cross is peace beyond understanding. Why? Because he surrendered to the will of his father, he's doing exactly what he should be doing. What's happening? The kingdoms clash and there's violence. That's why you can have peace inside and you can expect in the Christian world conflict. Conflict is inevitable where the kingdoms clash. Sometimes we're not seeing changes in lives because we're trying to avoid conflict. I don't like conflict. But it's part of the gospel. Where Jesus is proclaimed as Lord, it causes reactions. It causes reactions in you. It causes reactions in me. It's the way it is. And these disciples run away. We know the story well. And then Jesus rises and walks through the walls where they've locked themselves in in fear And he breathes on them. And then in Pentecost, six weeks later, he breathes on them again. And the Holy Spirit comes inside them. Jesus alive in them like never before. As as Graham Cook talks about, the Christians were a new race from that moment where the Spirit of God lived in people. They'd never done that before. It had never been like that before in history. And what do you see? The brown grass turns green. And suddenly what comes out of these men and women who were so afraid and so lacking in peace is a presence and an authority and a power that is amazing. And that's in six weeks. Well, maybe it's three and a half years and six weeks. And this guy Peter, who I love to quote, when the heat is on and he's exposed to Romans and the religious leaders, he stands up and he speaks with authority. And he demonstrates peace and power and presence. That's the presence of God. He gets thrown in jail. And he comes out and he says, he leads them in a prayer. Bring it on, Lord, we want more. That's peace with power. Because he knows who is God. He knows who he is. And he knows what he's going to live for. And you can and I can as well. The key is very simple. The key is just saying, Jesus, here I am. I want to walk with you. I want you to walk with me. I want to be your servant. You will not have peace if you try and get God to do whatever you want him to do. You'll just get frustrated. Then you'll start blaming other people for your life. You won't have peace if you visit God once a week and say, well, God, here it is, I'll give you some money and just keep quiet. You won't have peace. You won't have peace or power anywhere other than in a relationship with Jesus where he 
leads you into dangerous places sometimes but places that bring life he says in Matthew 7 he says ask and you will receive knock and the door will be opened seek and you will find because it's the Father's good pleasure to give the Holy Spirit to those who ask and the Holy Spirit is where peace is found And finally in John 14 he says that phrase, he says uh, I will send you the Holy Spirit, the counselor who will be peace not as this world gives but the peace as I give. So that's God's offer to you and to me today is to upgrade or deepen our whole awareness of him and our whole experience of peace. What would it be like for us to experience peace at the level that we experience anxiety? Sometimes we talk about stress as if it's a badge. Like, oh, you don't know how stressful this is. Oh, what does that say? It's stressful or you just screwed up? What happens if God says, stress isn't a badge, it's a sign of a problem? What happens if worry isn't something God's impressed with? He says, it's just a lack of faith. Then you're going to be naive. All right? Worry. Well, what happens if he says, this is real? Receive my peace. What's the worst thing that can happen? That's how I used to deal with it. What's the worst thing that can happen? Well, you lose your house, all right. What's the worst? You die, all right. All right. You work out the scenarios and then you find a place somewhere along the way. It's God trains you in walking in peace. So I think Jesus wants to give us peace today on earth as in heaven but he wants to do it by just saying well come to me then give me what you're not peaceful about and if you think John's talking rubbish well test it how do you test it you just say Lord I give you the stuff that I'm not stressed out about he says well other things will fill vacuums so unless I can come in and help you, you will get something else that's worse. So you can't just give something away, you've got to receive something. He says, let me come in and help you. So we, we, we're, we're focusing on two things today. The one is the presence of Jesus and the Holy Spirit in our lives brings about change and will show peace in us. We're also saying that chaos and circumstantial stuff will always be present in our lives. That if we're praying for God to change our circumstances, there's a point where it's a waste of time. Because we already know as they looked into the promised land, God will show you your circumstances in a variety of ways. And he'll say, these circumstances I'm not going to take because I'm going to teach you something through them. So embrace them. Embrace your circumstances and walk with me through it. If you spend all your time reacting to your circumstances, all you're going to do is become intimidated and diminished. And you'll never rise above them, and you'll be a slave. But I've come to set you free in the midst of the circumstance. Let's stand. If you want to be free in another way. It's just very important, I think, to, to just spend a few minutes with the Lord together now.
if what I've said is just a can of beans, then it remains that if it's just information. What we're doing now is saying, Lord, help me to digest this so that it actually impacts my life and my heart. And because the Lord loves you and me, he, he, I mean, he delights in you and me. And when we see children and our children afraid, what do we do? We pick them up. We pick them up and we embrace them. And we, 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 we assure them of our presence. And they feel our strength and they feel our arms and they start settling down. And we rock them and we walk with them and we settle them down. And Jesus wants to do that with you right now and me. Father, I pray that you just meet each one of us where we are right now. And I, he invites you, whatever is on your heart, whatever causes fear to rise in you, whatever is stressing you out in your circumstances, he's not angry with you at all. He remember he said, my burden is easy. He's just saying, why on earth are you carrying that? And like the disciples, we can go, well, why do you think? My boat is swamped. Look at this and this and this. And hear him just saying to you with a smile, refocus, refocus. Come to me. Talk to me about it. I'm there with you and I'm sleeping. You think I'm not worried because I'm not behaving like you. I just want to share with you the strength and the peace of my Father that we'll get through this. So whatever rises up in you, anything that you think of that might cause you stress, anxiety or fear, that's God's Spirit saying to you, you can give that to me right now. You don't have to carry that. And instead of protesting and working it out, yielded to him and just say, okay, Lord, I have no idea what this means, but I give it to you. And then receive his peace. Lord, I pray that you release peace right now in every heart that is open to you. The peace that is beyond understanding, the peace of the presence of Jesus she was able to do more than we can ask or imagine. Peace. If you need to take a deep breath and just breathe it in, his peace. It's not a manipulative game. Just breathe in his peace, which merely means I've got you. I hold you. I know you. And we'll walk through this together. You're not alone. So relax. You've never been in control anyway. Half of your stress is because you're trying to be in control of stuff you can't control. And when you learn how to be at peace, you'll actually learn how to hear me so that I can lead you into the next place for you. There's some of us who are worried about provision, financial provision. Tell that to the Lord. He knows. He says that I look after the fields and the flowers. I will look after you. Some of us are worried about relationships or careers or family issues or unknown futures or loneliness, whatever it is. Jesus is with you right now. We're not doing a psychological meditation. 
He said, you didn't come here this morning just to sing songs. You came here so that I could embrace you. And I could pour out my peace on you. And I don't want to talk to your head right now. I want to talk to your heart. I want to fill your heart, my heart, your heart with my peace. So give him thanks. Thank him, because you know he only needs one quick word, and he's there. He loves you. I mean, he adores you. You give him half a chance, and he's there. And he says yes to you. He says, "Don't be afraid." I give you my peace because wherever I go there's peace. Now you walk with me this week in peace. Walk with me believing that I am able to do more than you can ask or imagine. Walk with me believing that I care about everything in your life. Walk with me believing that we can live out of a love relationship. I'm not in a box. I'm not in a grave. I'm risen. I'm God. I am Lord of all. As he said to me, John, don't worry about provision. I will provide for you. I have resources all over this world. So thank him. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. Thank you for your kindness, Lord. Thank you that you say yes to us. And I pray, Father, for each of us this morning that as we go through this week, as we go from this place, we would hear the words of the Father that he said to the older brother, all that I have is yours. So as we walk through this week, we'll say, Lord, what have you for this time? And we will learn how to walk in peace in a new way. So I pray for deep peace to be released. And there will be testimonies and big stones that are speaking about the peace of God that has come into our lives in these days ahead. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.